HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're kicking off our end-of-year fundraising drive with a special discount offer from our partner, Heritage Foods USA, an online farm-to-table butcher shop specializing in heritage breed antibiotic-free meats. Donate to Heritage Radio Network before Sunday, December 4th at heritageradionetwork.org donate, and we'll send you an exclusive discount code for 10% off all Heritage Foods products. Help ensure another year of great food radio, get 10% off delicious and sustainably produced meat, and support small family farms all in one shot. How's that for a holiday miracle? Head to heritageradionetwork.org donate by Sunday, December 4th to make your contribution. Hi, this is Greg Bresnitz, one half the host of Snacky Tunes. We have had the honor of being nominated by Taste Awards for Best Radio Show and Best Podcast. Please head to bit.do backslash stvote in order to vote for Snacky Tunes and other food favorites. Once again, that's bit.do backslash stvote. And a big congratulations to Heritage Radio Network for being nominated into the Hall of Fame. Thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Today's program was brought to you by Roth, Wisconsin, makers of the world's best cheese and pioneers in the U.S. artisan cheese movement. For more information, visit rothcheese.com. This is Mike Edison, host of Art Senses of Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes.
Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Greg Bresnitz, uh, sitting on top of Mitte, really, in an incredible loft that we're moving into, right? This mm-hmm. is just like, this, yeah, is, this yeah. is us, this is a lease mm-hmm. signing. Uh, I'm with Tommy and Johnny of the store, or stores, as we will kind of figure out, which sure. is located inside Soho House, uh, but not totally connected to it. Um, before we kind of talk about the story, it'd be great to kind of get your background, Johnny. Uh, I know that you uh, grew up cooking in the English countryside. Yeah. Uh, kind of curious <laughs> on that back, how a nice, nice London lad ends up here. Uh, well, I mean, my, my mom is a gardener, garden designer. My, my dad is a wine merchant, and I'm in the middle of three boys. Um, and, I mean, food was just a very big part of our Growing up, we were always like picking veg from the garden, having people to stay, people walking in and out for dinners, and 
you know, generally um, sitting down at the table was kind of the focal point of the day, and um, I just kind of started cooking, you know, from a young age, just helping my mom and doing, like, sandwich competitions with my brothers, <laughs> um, and that's how I first kind of got into food. Sandwich competition just between the, the between three brothers. Okay. Yeah, exactly. What, what was the winning sandwich? Well, I mean, it was always quite competitive and quite heated. I mean, <laughs> um, Who was the judge? Um, like all three of us and sometimes mom as well. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, the little brother was, you know, he's a bit younger than us. So he, his sandwiches used to consist of like ketchup and baked beans and things like that. <laughs> um, but, um, Very you know, we had some, yeah. you know, like the, we put a lot of effort into these sandwiches. Um, but that's kind of the first time I got into taste and flavor and, you know, really kind of making the effort with foods a little bit and using like nice produce in order to actually get like a nice result. Basically. And would mom let you go into the, you said she was a garden designer. Would she actually let you go in and kind of like ransack it, or it's like this is the boys' section? Do not touch. Well, no, I mean like the the herb and veg garden was yeah. open to everyone. Okay. There were some flower beds that um, you know our football pitch got smaller and smaller as the years <laughs> went by, and those flower beds were often um, the series of many an argument. But um, in terms of herbs and veg stuff that we used to cook, it was you know open to everyone to go and grab. And you said your dad was a, a wine merchant, yeah. which is pretty uh, amazing. So, I mean, that obviously must have had some influence on you as well from, like, the, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, like, you know, his, um, his dad was a perfumery, perfumier, I don't know, sorry. Um, and then, um, so obviously that involves, like, you know, smell and taste. And then my dad um, got into the wine business, you know, 40 years ago and, um, you know, worked for, you know, set up a, you know, a big importer of wine um, in London. Um, and we were, you know, he was always making us try things from, you know, a very young age. I think <laughs> I had my first glass of champagne age eight or something like Perfect. that. Um, and I think that kind of focus on quality and how things taste and how they can change, um, you know, from the air or things like that was, you know, a really big part of, like, my influence in food and also, you know, wine as well. I mean, it's an unbelievable pairing, if you yeah. will, between the, the mom and the dad of getting you ready for what became your career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I've never, I have never undertaken any formal training as a mm. chef. I've never been to cooking school, had a cooking lesson, or actually worked in uh, the, a professional kitchen. I've worked in restaurants before this, on, but on the front of house side. Um, and, you know, the idea wasn't necessarily that I would take on the chef role but when Tommy and I started you know we didn't have many other people and we just kind of got stuck into it and just did everything together. Mm. So Tommy your, your background as well too is pretty diverse and kind of uh, all, a little bit all over the map. It is it is I mean I was born and raised in London my mother's Chilean and I kind of grew up with my stepfather who's Dutch but he'd like also lived around the world. Um, he lived in Venezuela for 15 years. He kind of left Holland when he was about 18. So he had a kind of very outward-looking uh, perspective on food, especially, because um, his dad had a restaurant as well in Holland. And so we kind what of... Was the, do you remember the restaurant name? Uh, yeah, it's called um, Seidel. Mm. Um, and um, we kind of grew up really loving food and really making a big effort in terms of food, because London was a very different place in the 90s or the 80s even. Um, this is like before Ottolenghi, kind of before River Cafe, before the supermarkets kind of really took control. You know, we used to have to go to like an Indian shop to buy nice mangoes, or we'd even, we had this Iranian shop we used to go where they'd buy like smuggled Iranian caviar from like Iran Air pilots. <laughs> I remember once like being really shocked, we bought it and we opened the can up and it was just full of sawdust. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the risks. Where, where, where you do you complain? I yeah, know, yeah. of course. Um, 
But we were, you know, he was, because of that, I kind of grew up with a very strong appreciation of, of, of French cooking and Spanish cooking because we used to go to holidays in Spain every year. And um, about produce and, and eating a lot of vegetables. We, we, we never really ate much red meat, made a lot of vegetables. We ate things like artichokes, um, which were quite, you know, exotic in England uh, in the 90s. I remember friends coming around and not even knowing what to do with the leaves and the hearts mm. and, the, and, the, and the choke. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I grew up around. And you also do food journalism as well, right? I did, yeah. I mean, that's how I kind of got into food. Not as, again, not form, at all formally trained mm-hmm. or, or anything, just from a more critical uh, perspective. I was um, writing about food. I was with the editor of Time Out here in Berlin. So I wrote the guidebook and the website, and I kind of saw the Berlin food scene kind of evolve from that side of things. And, uh, like, I mean, it's a very broad strokes question, but how have you kind of seen it evolve? And we can just say to the last five years, you know, what are, like, you know, two or three key takeaways um, that it's changed? Well, I would say, so the street food scene of which, you know, I'm biased because I kind of do have, I have a street food market, which I started as well, has really helped. Call it out. Mm. Yes, Bike Club. (laughs) Um, And um, that's, along with Street Food Thursday and other events, has really helped the scene evolved because you've had a lot of young people moving here from all over Europe who want to cook and the nice thing about Berlin is you don't need much money to start something up so especially not a street food store or a truck or something so you can get really stuck in immediately and I think a lot of a lot of the thing was well firstly Germany is very much obsessed with training so there's this you know people are trained specifically to do certain professions you don't come into a profession from having learned something else so chefs are like very heavily trained they have certificates you know for example to be a baker you have to have done a certain uh, masters in bakery to open a bakery or to be able to take apprentices on you have to have a certain training um so it kind of took this big movement of 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 uh, young people that has kind of basically happened since the recession because people who come from spain and italy with a lot of skills and a lot of food knowledge to places like berlin and germany where there's a bit more of a kind of stable economy and um just got into it and not cared about regulations or training or and so that's really moved things along in terms of the street food scene um and then so how did you two connect um, well, we actually used to hang out when we were like seventeen. Oh, sort of, yeah. I mean, not like you know, very close friends or anything like that. But you know, a few parties that um, we both went to and um, kind of knew quite a lot of mutual people. Um, and then when I got kind of asked to move to Berlin to help set up the store kitchen in the stores. Um, you know, I needed someone who knew this Berlin food scene, who knew suppliers, producers. You know, knew kind of uh, what the kind of you know, populist wanted and, and, and knew where like you know they wanted to take you know a new concept to um, and kind of by chance Tommy was coming in to talk to um, um, the guys who set up the stores um, about events um, with his street food market and other things as well um, and um, Amy Wharton obviously we recognised each other and, and the boss was like oh that you know you guys know each other that kind so, of works yeah <laughs> um, and then yeah we just kind of got stuck into it together and that's you know it's kind of strange how things work out that way but you know that's often always quite a good sort of um, you know foundation for things moving forward well I mean if I have my count right you have a writer front of house experience wine food <laughs> pop up events like between the two of you it's like pretty much all the ground that you would need to cover so what were, what were early days like you know what were kind of like you know the beginning of the concept um, and we, we can talk about the, how it is now a little bit later but just you know set the scene a little bit and what year was this 
Well, it was late 2014. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we were doing a sort of very soft opening here. The place was still, you know, half, sort of almost half built. I mean, there's not much building having gone on. It's mostly furniture. But we were in the back cooking off um, a home induction stove, which was just there as a sort of part of a show kitchen, as part of a co-working space. But we started working off that and did everything there, all the prep, all the cooking we had. Um, you know, very little facilities, but we worked with that, and that kind of very much fed into the concept we wanted to do, which was a lot about raw and a lot about salads, about soups and broths and and, um, and braising. So these are things that you can do without needing a full service kitchen or extraction or anything heavy. So um, the beginning was mostly, you know, the struggle of finding suppliers, which is one of the key issues in Berlin: the infrastructure, of the supply chain to get good products from from the countryside or from organic farmers or from small small uh, suppliers. So that was that was that, and then it was um, us doing a lot of veg prep. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you know, obviously the you know the the stores. You know, as part of a, the store kitchen is part of a wider concept, and and you know, our ideas and what we wanted to do is was you know kind of slightly dictated by what you know they wanted in their space, but very much it kind of has been a collaborative experience, and you know, it's about things uh, you know like it's 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 a healthy kind of um, concept, but you know, it's not you know health is abstinence. You know, you, you come in. But Johnny had also just done a naturopathic. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I was studied a bit of kind of natural. He'd been in LA for three months. Yeah, came back juicing. Just juicing. He came back. No, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know whether juicing is, is, is like, you know, what you need to do these days. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's about like, you know, things that people want to eat, fresh, you know, delicious. You know, make you feel good. Um, it's not heavy. You know, it tastes good. It's hard to get a salad in this town, right? Especially for lunch, there's yeah. not ma- there's not many lunch o- options, and most of them consist of falafel. Mm. Um, so getting a good, clean, raw salad that isn't going to weigh you down, that doesn't make you feel heavy, but it does have grain, whole grains in it, so it's filling, yeah. and it's got spices, so it's got some flavour or acidity or oils, and and um, you know that's basically what we were trying to. Yeah, I mean, we you know we, we tried a lot of different things probably at the beginning, but you know as it was dictated by the setup we had, so mm. you know we couldn't cook eggs to order in the morning, that kind of stuff, um, and so it was just you know about a lot of you know getting nice veg and prepping them nicely and coming up with nice combinations and working with any like little local things that we could find that week, some forage stuff, some smoked fish one day, some nice cheese the other day, basically, and, and just being quite nimble with what we had and, you know, being able to change the menu from one day to the next, um, you know, quickly de- depending on what we could get and and still kind of making it, you know, delicious. and we had a very small fridge. Yeah. yeah. Which, is, which is nice. It's yeah. good. It means you're, you know, you're, you're exactly as nice as a dynamic, nimble with the produce and, and spinning things. And Yeah, I mean, even today, if, if you know, we, we, we change the menu, you know, daily, if, you know, I can get nice beetroot, or even I've got excess beetroot in the fridge and we want to use them whilst they're fresh and, and you know, we don't try and we try not to waste anything. So we, we do a lot of changing of the salads, changing of the lunch menu, um, just depending on what we've got in the fridge, what we can get. And I think that kind of keeps it kind of fresh and, and nice and, 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 you know, keeps us on our toes as well. Uh, all right, well, we're going to take a quick musical break and we're going to come back and talk about suppliers. Uh, and the produce supply chain that you talked about. We'll be right back on Snacky Tunes. Is it wicked? 
So one of the things that you mentioned uh, was, you know, establishing supply chains here and how difficult it was. And I thought it was really interesting that like, you call out your suppliers um, when you're, it's like almost in the same breath as, you know, some people will call out their coffee maker, where they get the wine for it, but you really go out of your way to like name check and shout out everyone. Mm. So it'd be great to hear kind of like what you were maybe kind of up against and how you were able to find the suppliers um, in here. And, and are they German? Do they come from outside the country? You know, just the process of, of how you put your chain together. I mean, what we're up against is a very kind of established industrial supply chain as opposed to... I mean, here in Germany, Germans... Um, as a kind of average, spend the least on groceries in Western Europe, even though they have some of the highest income. Supermarkets here don't have that kind of appeal that they do, or fetishization that they have almost now in England or in America. There's no Whole Foods. There's no, uh, there's no, they don't care about plenty. Lidl and Aldi, the budget supermarkets here are king, especially somewhere like Berlin, which is a sort of lower, lower household income. So there is, a, there is a big supply network, but they don't have that kind of selection of produce, um, which, which places like just from like volume of sales England has done with Marks and Spencers and, and Tesco's and Sainsbury's, they've really upped their kind of super, the game, the general game. Um, and so we, to work with, um, there are incredible farmers around in Brandenburg, around, around Berlin, but they're also much more focused around local farmers markets. They don't have the delivery into the town, into mm. the city, and so they don't, and they don't really care about doing that. Mm. They kind of have a very old-fashioned mentality. They're like, we only want to produce what we can, and we sell what we produce already. So why would we, you know, bother driving into Berlin, which is more of a hassle than selling to you? But yeah, it I took mean, us a while. Yeah, I mean, you can. You know, there are big kind of pan-European or pan-Germany companies that you can order lots of different stuff from, and even organic in the sense of the word. But you know, often these things have grown under lights in Holland or things like that to actually get decent tasting heritage varieties you really have to look around for small producers and, and often those guys are the ones that don't really want to you know up their production or even deliver into Berlin or or work with you guys because they're kind of happy with what they're doing which which in a way is really nice but um you know for you know for, for us and what we're trying to do it makes it really difficult um you know one of the first cheese markets I think I went to Tommy and I found some really delicious sheep's yogurt from you know, an hour and a half outside Berlin and you know we were talking to them asking if we could get some you know, even a small amount each week to use and they basically just weren't interested hmm. which was kind of shocking for me having just arrived here where you know, you know in the countryside in England everyone's you know so into their small, their little artisan products, so they, they, you know, they're really doing it to like get them out there, right? Um, and um, and that was kind of one of the challenges. But I, I, you know, I think even in the short period that I've been here, there are it has got better. Mm. There are more people, more restaurants, more consumers, and more suppliers and producers who are interested in supplying these types of products. Um, and you know, like from cheese to veg to even now some you know good butchers and some good fish suppliers that but they still are on no way the same level as you get in London in terms of like what you can do with them as a restaurant in terms of getting deliveries and things like that. Have you yeah. found like a right combination of words or phrases to say to them for them to be like okay we'll like produce a little bit more just for you or is there a philosophy that you present to them that opens their eyes a little bit more as opposed to maybe some of you early like well I just why can't I buy it <laughs> well, I mean places for example places like Mark Tyler have really helped because they've given homes to uh, permanent small suppliers younger guys like Kumpel and Koyla which is where we're buying meat for the last few months mm. you know it's a very young butcher he's, he's you know he's uh, slaughtering dairy herd animals 
um, and he's the, he's now got a permanent site there, which is one of the main issues, I suppose, is that they need somewhere to make it financially viable for them to be able to sell all day as well, not just to supply to restaurants, because mm. there aren't enough people like us who want to buy that stuff. Most restaurants and most hotels just want consistency and... and um, and uh, volume yeah. and low prices and low pr- very <laughs> low prices especially and the prices aren't low either you know so mm. beef is very expensive in Germany for example um, so um, I mean best thing you can do is get them in for lunch and talk to yeah. them and show them what you're cooking I mean we, for instance like you know where we are in terms of in of Berlin Soho House is you know um, you know kind of perceived as a kind of quite elitist membership kind of community and and that cause can sometimes be a stumbling block for us but then if you get them in and we, the food we serve is not expensive it's quite accessible we're trying to get people involved and see like you know kind of educate a little bit as much as feed people and if you if you can kind of you know communicate that to a small supplier and, and see your passion for what they're giving you then usually that wins them over i think mm. And then, um, and then I guess it kind of can just grow from there, and they yeah. tell a friend, and they tell absolutely. Them, right? I mean, well, you know, there's, yeah. there's there's like you know, there's a sort of the old school chefs is you know, you find a really good supplier of of, of you know of sheep's cheese, and and you don't tell anyone. I right. think nowadays throughout the world, and that's you know seen in our guest chef series, is people are much more willing to collaborate, share ideas. People are much more kind of it's more of a community. The whole restaurant scene, and that's not just in Berlin. You know, it's people you know really kind of like you know like oh I found this guy who does really great strawberries. You know, you should call him up because then if he makes more, then it's going to be easy for us, and you can yeah. share deliveries and all this kind of stuff. And that's that's kind of a lot of what we're trying to do as well here. And 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 you know you can you, you, when when we have guests chefs who come you know they they you know like cooking with them that's like a whole part of it as well and that's you know really interesting as well so that's you know it's, it is getting there but um it's still a lot of work let's talk about the guest chef series um you just had a really good one this past well i guess it's friday whenever this will air mm-hmm. um from uh <laughs> uh from paris um how does how has that evolved and, and how is like the guest chef series kind of been received given the fact that like many people are kind of saying it's a more traditional system mm. it's one thing to establish a restaurant and then to also to get people to care enough about a guest chef coming in from another scene mm. how, has, how has that been built I mean it's obviously very well established in New York uh, in the mm. States yeah I mean no, firstly on the kind of from our side it, it's the interest from the guest chefs themselves is massive because everyone wants to come to Berlin mm. Berlin has this real uh kind of cachet for everyone from London from New York Paris people want to come to Berlin it's fun it's cool so they're really willing to come here and check out the scene Um, and then from the Berlin side of things it's still quite a small scene uh, of chefs and restaurants and and food lovers and blogs and the kind of the hype network isn't isn't as as developed as it is in somewhere like New York or London but because of that um, everyone supports each other so when there are events and when there are dinners people are really interested because there's still quite big gaps in the kind of culinary map here in Berlin. So if you bring someone in who's doing something very special that, you know, we had these guys called Cricket over from London as well uh, previously. (laughs) Cricket with a K. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And they do these Indian-inspired small plates and that's one of the major gripes for particularly British expats in in Berlin is that there is just no decent Indian food. So that was massively popular. Mm. Um, And, yeah, we recently had Taku Sakine of Dursu um, in Paris, who's uh, the loveliest, loveliest Mm. guy. 
Um, and he's got this wonderful kind of Franco-Japanese restaurants, so using Japanese techniques and influences, but with a lot very French produce um, in Paris. I mean, he wanted to put foie gras on the menu here, but we said it was probably not. Mm. It's not the place of foie gras. In yeah. Um, Is that accepted in Berlin or no, just not? No, no, no. I mean, you he, don't yeah. see it in, on any yeah. menu except yeah. for maybe like uh, one of the hotel mission and restaurants. Right. But yeah. You do not see foie gras anywhere. Interesting. Yeah. And then for and then. Um, the sourcing, I mean, obviously, it's like the, the one kind of trip up of guest chef series is that they're so yeah. also well known for their yeah. ingredients, and sometimes it doesn't work. I've yeah. been to a couple that have just like fallen very, very yeah. flat. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you kind of help them with that? And then, how, I mean, do you have a, a deep enough supply chain now? Like, we have a guest chef series, can you help them find this, or how does that work? Well, we just give them a list of the things we can yeah. get. Well, like a couple of weeks in advance. Yeah. <laughs> this is oh, what so you, you go back we, to the chef and say, this is what we have. Yeah, yes. at the moment, yeah. this is what this nice stuff that we can get. We need to kind of order now for the event next week. Or we need to double check things. I mean, we had, you know, with um, Taku, he wanted some chai flowers. Um, we had kind of, you know, had an offer of chai flowers like the week before. So we said, that's great. Or, or we even offered the, to, them to him. But then by the time he had come, the chai flowers had gone. Mm. But we found some borage flowers. So we used that instead. And yeah. it's being nimble again, like like we are. Yeah. And, and, and that, you know, hopefully you, will, you work with chefs are kind of into that kind of style and, and don't mind doing that. Um, and so far, everyone we work with has been. Um, obviously, you know, there are certain ingredients. Like if, you know, we have a Sichuan weekend next next month, um, if, it, you know, there's some, there'll be some specific ingredients that we need to get. Yeah. Um, and so we need to start planning for that now. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it kind of represents a challenge. It's kind of good for us because it's kind of seeing what gets us seeing what's, you know, talking to people and seeing yeah. what's there. And, um, and you know, and, and yeah. Also, some, chefs love bringing their own stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So Chan luggage or even, you know, you can put a lot an easy, yeah. de- easy hand luggage. Yeah, I mean they usually have to, you know, they have to check luggage because of the knives, so they just stuff it full of the bits and bobs. That That's you really. Can't get. It's so it's such an interesting approach because, like, I mean, at least in the states, it's like the chef is like, I want this, and you say yes, chef, and you get it for them because they bring mm. their food. Mm. Um, the one other thing I want to kind of chat with you about um, is your sugar uh, mm. that you serve because uh, just looking at it, it caught me. Uh, by surprise and Tommy you'd mentioned about it so like what is your actual sugar your coffee bar and then uh, what is you know the philosophy behind why you have that yeah I mean it, it's um, uh, coconut sugar coconut palm sugar and we we basically try and use no processed ingredients um, you know anyone who reads things about healthy food will see how um, this sort of momentum has shifted on Sugar as opposed to fat is the sort of one of the most evil things in our in our diet currently. Um, you know, we we don't. Put we love fat. Yeah, we love yeah. fat exactly. I mean, good fat. You know, obviously not unprocessed, not kind of fabricated fat. Um, um, and you know, we we don't serve. For instance, we don't serve soya milk in our cafe because of the bad connotations that comes with and so we also don't serve you know processed white sugar um and and that is a quite a good kind of emblem for our philosophy on 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 ingredients and and the whole thing is you know we we want to as much as possible use unprocessed ingredients which are you know taste great and are good for you and and you know um are unique as well um even though you know lots of people are used to having white sugar in their coffee and the the the, the sugar we use would change the flavor profile, and, mm. and that would, people will do, get upset with that sometimes. But you just have to kind of stick to your guns a bit and explain it to them, and 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 that, yeah, that's it really. Uh, okay, last question. Uh, 
call out your favorite veggie supplier and call the vegetable that they provide for you and why? Um, well, Johannes um, is a kind of farmer we've kind of been working with, so it, we, he would need to be called out because... Johannes um, Ertz. Johannes Ertz, yeah. Lovely farm near, near the Polish border. Yeah, he's a husband and wife team, and... Um, he picks up from a couple of local yeah, farms exactly. as well. Um, and, you know, Interesting. He, 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 he sort of, you know, like we kind of sent him a list of stuff that he... he will grow for us like heritage varieties of beetroot and different tomatoes and and radishes i think i'm going to talk about radishes because mm. for two years i haven't found a decent spicy delicious radish in this in in germany um and he's just sent us a load of different um, breakfast radishes and red radishes and white radishes all of which have real nice flavor do you send him seeds no, actually, he like locating them all because they. He also has to buy his own yeah. seeds because of the organic certification. Yeah, right? exactly. so they have to buy it from a certain market. But yeah, I mean, I love radishes as um, you know, especially this time of year, and um, we finally got. And some he has these some beautiful some... baby turnips. As well, yeah, actually, yeah, that, raw yeah. and cooked, like lightly sautéed. They're wonderful. Yeah, Yanis you know, so that's just yeah, it's amazing. And great, great salad. It's mizuna, really spicy. Yeah, exactly. It's green, crispy leaves. Beautiful. Really nice. I mean, in, in winter, his, his uh, market report basically consists of beetroot and apples. <laughs> so you know, it's, that's that's the problem. Yeah, in northern Germany. Yeah, yeah, but but you know that you know we work with that because of the other beautiful products we get throughout the year and kind of thing. And that's that's the issue. You know, in winter, kind of finding nice leaves and things like that, which is you know, grown locally or, you know, organic, whether it's certified or not, um, and tastes good and is interesting, um, that's, you know, something that really um, we suffer with in, in winter, but, you know, you just have to stitch your root vegetables yeah. and, and work, yeah, work, work yeah. with what you've got and, and do your best not to kind of order from too far away and, and too, uh, you know, sort of from too big suppliers, basically. Okay. Um, so where can people find you uh, online, location, Instagram, Twitter? Thestores.com. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so thestores.com on, 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 as a website, and then Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat is thestores.com, spelt out, lowercase. Yeah, I mean, we're just about to hopefully launch the store kitchen yeah. own yeah. Instagram. Um, other than that, you can find our own personal Instagrams, Johnny Collins and Tommy Tannock. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, we've, we're just kind of moving forward to get our own social media of just the, the food side of the whole concept, which is great um, because, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of things going on in there. There's music, food, fashion, all that kind of stuff on the main one. And it's kind of nice to have our own kind of like, you know, local output, basically. Great. Well, thanks for taking the time to do Thank this. You. Thank you. Uh, we're going to take a quick musical break and then we'll be back with the second part of Snacky Tunes. What did you ever want to be, boy, out on the sea, boy? All of your possessions below the deck. So when they question what's your direction, you can't say south, boy, and know it's bad. What did you ever have a Do you want to know me, girl? I can 
don't you know Lord, everybody knows Well, don't you know Oh, 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 oh. Well, she said farewell, boy You sleep too much there And it's too cold up here You promised me nice Have you tasted the world's best cheese? Grand Cru Sirchois is the 2016 World Cheese Champion. Our partners at Roth, Wisconsin make this gorgeous Alpine-style cheese in the rolling hills of Greene County, Wisconsin. Grand Cru Sirchois is produced by hand in Swiss copper vats and finished by aging on spruce planks. The quality milk and careful craftsmanship bring out the award-winning light floral notes, nutty undertones, a hint of fruitiness, and a mellow finish. Perfect with Riesling and Muscat, Grand Cru Sirchois is a guaranteed hit for any occasion. Check out their other offerings at RothCheese.com. You'll discover Buttermilk Blue and their newest release, Prairie Sunset, the golden-hued love child of Mimolette and Gouda. You'll also find recipes like the Raclette Reuben and Tomato Tartlets. Everything you need to know about the world's best cheese is at RothCheese.com. We're we're light asylum. We're light you asylum. Invited us light here. asylum. Welcome. Welcome. This is our. F- Thank pretty, you. We're gonna. Call, I know it's not fall technically, but this is our first fall show. Uh, it's the yeah, post. It's post Labor Day. End of summer. End of summer. End of summer. So uh, why don't you introduce yourselves? Um, I'm Shannon. And I'm F. Bruno. Shannon F. Shannon Bruno. F. Bruno C. Bruno C. <laughs> um, welcome to the show. Um, for Thanks. the listeners who are not aware of your magic, uh, why don't you give them a little bit of background on who you are? Or how you came to be? Um, Bruno and I, we met while um, touring with some friends in a band uh, called Bunny Rabbit. And that was about, how long has it been now? Through, uh, four years ago, 2007. Yeah. And uh, we bonded while we were stuck in a minivan together. Um, Bruno was uh, performing uh, in Bunny Rabbit playing guitar. And also doing like his solo project, uh, Bruno and the Dreamies, and I was uh, with a friend um, invited to come along after um, having already been on tour a bunch. But uh, ah, get back in the van and uh, w- as the pumpster and derriere, and um, <laughs> just a funny little booty based thing. Um, yeah. So anyway, we uh, bonded over um, music interests and I was like we should play some music together sometime it took a couple of years um, for me to not be touring with Chick 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 and now I'm just focused on this and Bruno joined the band like two years after uh, I had started it Um, and we've never looked back and this is the perfect permanent incantation of Light Asylum. It's a magic-themed episode today. <laughs> All incantations. Um, so I know that you have a big, uh, Shannon, large background in the Book Museum. We, we talked how I saw you sing at that magical celebration TV on the radio, Union Hall show. The hottest and, show ever. 
Yeah, in the back Union of the show. Union Pool? Yeah. Union Pool. Union Pool, yeah. Union Hall, yeah. which is where you played on Friday, so too many unions. <laughs> um, but uh, Bruno, what is your, are, have you from here, or where are you from? Um, I grew up in New Jersey, not too far away, yeah. Awesome. Dirty Jers. Dirty Jers. Where, where do you represent? The North, the Middle, the South? Uh, North. North? Yeah. Are you a Flyers fan? Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. Are you a devil? Are you a devils fan? Oh, New Jersey Devils? No, oh, I'm not a hockey fan. Sorry. Just say, just say you're a Flyers fan. <laughs> I'm a Flyers fan. Uh, awesome. Uh, amazing. Oh, we amazing. just lost some fans. Yeah. Um. You know, why don't we get a get a song in? So or you, gain some fans. Or gain some fans because I know that uh, we want to get you guys alive, and they if have a great setup in here. New York. We conti- we continue to like redefine what type of live setup we can we can do in here. Um. Now I know we can do Re- a bunch really, of sense. Really pushing the boundaries. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is yeah. It's shipping containers actually. Way, if if these two shipping containers were my apartment, I wouldn't be mad. No, I wouldn't either. It'd be yours, and it's the future. Pretty, I'd put a little shower over here. Nice. That and the water would be heated from the roof. I'm a really good subletter. If you should ever need a <laughs> yeah, subletter, uh, we can just build like bunk beds. Looking like, right for into the someone walls. to fill out one half a shipping container <laughs> in Brooklyn. Obviously, yeah, um, a thousand dollars a month utilities not included. What? <laughs> no, I'm actually looking for a permanent place to live. So if there's anybody out there who knows of a good place and they're Just not tw- psycho yeah. and if you they want to share what's space, the Twitter? <laughs> they can tweet at you. Um, Light Asylum. All right, tweet Light- <laughs> and she'll probably be on the road, which is a benefit. Yeah, um, but I might need a subletter. Depends on how cheap it is. If it's yeah. really cheap, then I won't need to get a subletter. Do you do uh, early morning breakfast and serenading? Sure, <laughs> for a, a decrease in rent. Awesome. I, I do that, Breakfast yeah, do and Serenading. All right, so what's the first song we're playing? Uh, Dark Allies. Dark oh. Allies. Yeah. All right, Dark Allies, Light Asylum Live on Snacky Tunes.
Gets a little warm in the shipping container. I uh, smell funny. Uh, that was great. What was that song called? Dark Allies. Um, so you just said that you were looking for subletter. Where did you come back from? Um, we spent the summer... Hi, if you just started listening, we're Light Asylum. Oh, yeah, this is Light Asylum, sorry. From Brooklyn, New York. I'm going to take your jobs. Yeah, take my... Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. It All pay? I do is just eat pizza, really. Yeah. <laughs> Does it pay? Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, um, you know, just in case this doesn't work out. But yeah. I, I think it's going to work out. I think it's going to work um, out. Okay. Um, we just came back from spending the summer in uh, Berlin, actually. Ooh. Hi to all of our Berlin peeps. Spreading Miss the, the hell out of you. How is Berlin? I know, it's amazing. I know everyone goes there. Is it as cheap as they say it is? Um, you know, like everywhere. It's amazing that it's like affecting even the... Um, 
other countries, but the 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 it's just like homogenized everywhere, and there's gentrification everywhere. Yes. What was the? Uh, it's what, world domination. What did you eat when you were out there? Uh, lots of margarita pizzas and kebabs. Shawarma. Lots of shawarma. Yeah. And there, there's something about schnitzel. The, Actually, they're called bratwurst? doners or yeah, donors. There's yeah. something about like the European uh, doner that just somehow I don't understand how they can't recreate it in in the states. <laughs> I don't know what it is. There, there are good doner kebabs here in the states. Not yeah? like. Yeah, I think it's better there. There's like the bread is different. The yeah. bread's different. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, there's probably good ones here, but it's probably like to get like a European donor. It's like ten dollars as opposed to the you know it's like the four, two euros. the two euros out there. Like the massive. There's something yeah. about that that European white sauce. It's better than the American white sauce. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, for I think for when I was there for New Year's in Berlin, like I had donner for like our New Year's Eve dinner just because it was so it was so delicious. How many, uh, <laughs> what's, what's, what's the largest German beer you had when you were there? How many ounces? 64, 72? Well, not this time, but um, other times traveling across um, Germany, um, going to the famous Brauhaus. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. The one in Williamsburg wants to be, but like <laughs> seriously, um, I don't know. Like, what is that? A liter. <laughs> no, it's more. It's 750. Okay, yeah. so it's like, like a, a two liter beer, it's like as big as your two head. Two liter beer? It's like as big as your head so and a heavy. Up. It's like a workout. Like, yeah, but is it like a two hand lift type yeah, situation? Yeah, for real. Seriously, that'd be so the double beer mug. Handle. How embarrassing would it be if like you couldn't lift your <laughs> beer mug? You're like, yeah. I was like, yeah, oh yeah, sure. And you're like, I. That's why I have straws. straw. Oh yeah, you drink drink your beer with a straw. Who drinks beer with a straw? <laughs> well, when you can't lift a two liter beer sign, you don't have any options. Uh, so, but Berlin was cool. Did, did you guys go anywhere else in Europe? Yeah, we actually um, got to play. I booked a show with uh, some some heroes of ours. Actually, Bruno and I bonded over this band when I asked him if he knew who the Clan of Zymox was. He was like, I've never met anybody who knew who the Clan of Zymox was. <laughs> and I was like, cool, we'll play with them someday. And so we did. In Leipzig, we opened for them. What's like how, was, yeah, how was meeting heroes? heroes? It's amazing. They're super sweet. Like, awesome people couldn't believe it. You so know? you would recommend meeting your heroes? Um, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. I I would say it's a. I've, we ha- we were lucky. Yeah, I'd definitely say that it's a. I feel like it's like a pretty solid toss up, usually in like the negative direction about meeting your meeting your heroes. Uh, when you realize they're real people with their own, you know, different their, their own issues. <laughs> yeah, flaws. And stuff. <laughs> that's that's gonna name my autobiography: Heroes with Issues. Oh, well, that's actually a, that's Clan actually, of Zymox is perfect. Here's issues. All right, so why don't we uh, why don't we get another song? Let's, let's rip another fat one. Yeah, we'll get the. Uh, we'll, what's the name? Of, what's the name of this one? Um, a certain person. A certain person. Okay, so uh, here we go. Light Asylum live here on Snaggy Tunes.
Woo. Woo. Amazing. Yeah, sorry, that one was a little rough, you guys. No. <laughs> I mean, in the beginning. You know, we say, in, in the end, it was all right. as, as we, we say the same thing about cooking. It's like, uh, just don't. Or life. Yeah, or life. Don't tell anybody until somebody them. says something. <laughs> yeah, until, until somebody says something, just be like, yep. If you yeah. see something, say something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see something so, everything. which of these, which of the songs you've played are going to be coming out on the new record next year? Um, well, I think, you know, a certain person originally to us was like the single. Right. And then somehow, in this dark day and age, dark allies ended up stealing the light. So, um, Magic. 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 <laughs> Dark magic. Stealing the light. Um, but so, yeah, I think we'll have to put a certain person on the full length. Kind of like, you know, TV on the radio and satellite, you know. It came out on the EP and then uh, it came out on the full length once they dropped that. They did. They just did an awesome set of Virgin Free Fest. Cool, cool. We wanted to come, but we were playing show ourselves that day. With, oh, yeah. uh, we uh, with Flying Lotus and Gang Gang Dance at Le Poison Rouge. That was Thursday, right? Yeah. And uh, it was an NYU students only thing. We were there. Thing. We were oh, there. Cool. Yeah. Cool. We, uh, we're NYU students. Yep. Oh. No. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> Freshman class. Uh, can't wait. 2015. Yeah. Yeah. What's up? What's up? Can't, yeah. can't wait to turn 21. If anybody wants f- to, yeah. I get some wings on my uh, dorm eating points. <laughs> I'm going to get a fake ID at Washington Square. <laughs> oh, my God. We're going out of McDougal and Third to get my moods, and then we're getting Michigan IDs. Uh, you know, that was the first time I'd ever seen Gang Gang Dance. I, I mean, amazing. heard that. Amazing. Amazing. So, such really a good family. Really. Love them. Then the, uh, the guy, the positive vibes guy. Yeah. Taco. Totally. Taco. Yeah. Taco. Is that is, is he a permanent part of the live yes. show? Yes. yes, yes, that's what he does. He just spreads good vibes. I mean, this is gonna say, but uh, when we were young and into ska and saw the Mighty Mighty Boston's, it's like the Ben Carr of the like freak, the Ben freak Carr, of, the Ben Carr of the art world. <laughs> uh, that's a deep reference. I was a more of a, uh, <laughs> a yeah, I was a yeah, I was like a a different kind of ska fan. I think I, I you know, would I you was, like a second wave? Uh, no, the first, first wave, wave actually. I was, who who I was, was in second? I it was, I feel like it went like right from like first to third, and like second wave was. Was this uh, second? It was probably like madness. Madness. Like, it was yeah. the '80s. What? First, oh, well, the first wave. I'm okay. Second wave. You, yeah. First, um, first wave was like uh, Scatolites, like them. Yeah, yeah, like straight up from Jamaica. From Jamaica, yeah, and the second wave was like the the English. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. and that's where I was I mean, on the second you, wave. You could put yeah, the clash. For sure. I mean, I wouldn't put the clash in there. But they had influences. They had influences that was the second wave. so great then, about England that they were like heavily influenced, like from the Slits, you know, and yeah. the Clash, and and then all fast, the Selector, all those bands. <laughs> fast forward the third wave when I'm dancing up to Less Than Jake, getting fired on my toilet paper. Gun. So what is Gang Gang Dance has like? They're not straight up ska influences, but they're heavily influenced yeah. by dub and stuff. Yeah, I mean, and they, and they brought what, the dance. I mean, what is dubstep? Sixth wave, <laughs> right? It's, it's not actually, a wave. It's actually 18th dimension. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so okay. you have the record coming out in spring. We're going to do it backwards because you told me backwards. Okay. November, you have the uh, new single coming out. Or yeah, shallow tears. We just re-recorded it, and it sounds amazing. Um, Why the re-record? Um, you know, just to give the fans something new. And the first one is straight up a demo we recorded in a space as big as your radio. Space. Yeah, loft. Loft. Yeah. <laughs> loft apartment. Like, imagine your bathroom in... Um, the Boar's Head? Bushwick. 
Yeah. <laughs> or boar, the boar's head. Right and, then you have, and then you have something special coming out in October. October is the Mexican 100th release from the record label Mexican Summer, um, which is a... By the way, shout out to Mexican Summer and to Jess for setting this up. Yeah, thanks, yeah, Jess. Thanks, Jess. Thanks, Mexican <laughs> Summer. I can't believe they've already had 100. Woo! Amazing. Congratulations. That'll be out in October, and that's a split um, produced on both sides by uh, Ford and Low Patton, formerly known as uh, Games. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so one track with myself, truly, and then uh, also a lovely lady from a band of the same name, Tamarin. Amazing. Mm. Um, that so comes out in October. We're going to get you to play one more song. Okay. We want to say thank you for coming on. Thanks for having to us. To Light Asylum. Um, do you want to give us all the like the very special, like where to find, where to email, where to follow? Oh, cool. You can just, uh, if you have any inquiries about booking, you can go to our man, Avery McTaggart, at the agency group in the U.S. We're still looking for a European booking agent. If you just want to write us and tell us how much you love or hate us, you can write us at Light Asylum. Music at gmail.com. Don't, 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 don't hate don't mail. Hate, don't hate <laughs> Come on. Because we don't have time for it. Really. Honestly, life is short and yeah. we don't have time for it. And we'll just like not even open it. Yeah. Um, no, I'm kidding. What if they um, count, what if they put the subject line like we love you and you open it up and it's, it's like, like fuck it. Fuck. I mean, oh, can I say it? Oh my gosh. Sorry. Yeah, it's the internet. You got eight <laughs> seconds to delete that. Um, and then if you want to just like see a discog, once we, you know, you can go to mexicansummer.com. And you can also go to Academy Records or other music to buy physical copies of our um, I don't understand. EP on vinyl. You don't understand? Oh, okay, vinyl. Okay. Who, took the, who took the We photo have CDs on the, on the with a EP really, cover. Um, our friend Matthew Heiss uh, shot that, and he's a really Great amazing uh, fashion photographer, Matthew Heiss. And the next show? Uh, the next show is... Swarthmore College. Swarthmore College in Pittsburgh. That's the Earthworms. Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, earthworms. How do, you, how do you know that? Because What's earthworms? You rearrange the letters, earthworms. That's their school. Whoa. Yeah. All right. cool. Yeah. Wow. All right, well, thank you. And uh, <laughs> and if you have an apartment for Shannon, you can hit him up on Twitter at Lightest Lineup. Uh, all right. So and gonna... I don't want to pay um, that that booking fee, whatever yeah. that crap is. Yeah. Um, and I want to stay in Williamsburg because I've been here for ten years, um, and. I think I just deserve to be able to stay. I would agree. What's the name of the last song you're playing? A certain... Oh, wait. Sorry. End of Days. End of Days. Okay. All right. Uh, well, thank you for listening to Snacky Tunes. We have VHS or Beta uh, DJing next week, and we'll be back with more episodes. Here we go uh, with Light Asylum. Take it out.
We talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.